Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Hey there, everybody. It is that time again for Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. I'm Scott Schaefer. You are, and I'm Marisa Lagos. And this week on The Breakdown, we continue our conversation with California mayors. Oakland's Libby Schaff is here, a local girl who made it to the top of her city's sometimes volatile political ladder. Scott wrote that. I think often volatile. Often volatile. (laughs) I mean, it's a big city. Every big city is volatile. Yeah. It's the Bay Area, uh, too. Yeah, yeah, it is. And we're going to talk with her about, you know, kind of how she got to where she is. But uh, first, it has been, Marisa, I think we can all agree, an extraordinary week, uh, historic week, really, Uh, not just uh, in... Unprecedented, I believe, Well, (laughs) there actually is a precedent for it. Uh, Nancy Pelosi moving ahead with an impeachment inquiry. But Mayor Libby Schaff, welcome to The Breakdown. Good to have you you here on this historic week. I would call Oakland politics feisty. 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 Okay. Yeah, a feisty. feisty yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get back to that. Well, but you know, let's as, stay in DC for as a, a as an yeah. elected official, you know, here on the West Coast. I mean, uh, Donald Trump was in town not that long ago. Julian Castro, running for president, was in your town yesterday. Um, you know, what do you make as you watch this whole thing unfold with Nancy Pelosi, who I'm sure you know is a Bay Area figure that she is and has been for so long? Like, what do you make of this whole thing? Well, the thing that's been amazing to watch is. Trump just constantly trying to get the American people to like, no, look over here. Like, uh, let's crack down more on sanctuary cities and talk about how horrible they are. Syringes in the ocean. Syringes violating the EPA. Um, I mean, just what more can this man make up to further fire up his base, distance the rest of the country, and just honestly offend my morals Every five minutes. I mean, it, it has been a remarkable week. And I think it is always interesting for those of us in the Bay Area watching Pelosi be the center of it. Because, you know, she I've been working on some reporting on this. And it's like she didn't get to this point because of all the indivisible activists in the Bay Area calling her congressional office or the protest. It was because the more moderate members of her caucus finally came along and said, no, 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 this is like a bridge too far when you are allegedly, you know, threatening a foreign leader for dirt on your political opponent. That That is apparently where some people draw the line. Yeah, and I think some people see her as speaker and therefore they assume that it's her job to lead the caucus in a way, lead them to a place where they're not yet. And there's some of that. But, you know, I'm wondering just as mayor watching her operate as a just as a skilled politician and consensus builder oh, and yeah. consensus builder. Like, what Gr- do you- girls got game. I have mad respect for Nancy Pelosi. 
Uh, I do. And I've got to say that, you know, here in California, we have been clamoring for impeachment for a long time. But I respect that she wanted to wait until this was not going to be um, accused. I'm sure it will be by the Republicans anyway, but that it it really could not be seen as a witch hunt or um, campaigning, but something that really had substance. And, and I remain ever hopeful that people will put aside their partisan identities and say, oh, my gosh, the very underpinnings of democracy are in trouble when you have a president bartering political um, chits for, you know, taxpayer dollars, uh, aid. This is crazy. And this goes well beyond partisan bickering. This is really an affront of democracy and leadership, no matter which party flag it's flying under. And you know, I think it's fair to say, though, that because we're if you watch any of the uh, hearing today with the uh, uh, intelligence uh, director, uh, acting intelligence director there and the Republicans and the Democrats, to a certain extent, sort of playing the their roles, yeah. you know, the theater. Uh, and I wonder, do you as, you know, as someone who has to actually run a city, uh, do you get frustrated sometimes with, you know, in, here in the Bay Area, it's 50 shades of blue. She's laughing. He's like, do I ever, do get, I ever frustrated? get frustrated? No. And she has teenage kids. So there's like two levels of frustration <laughs> there. Right? Oh, yeah, we can get into that later. Um, you know, I always say that mayors don't have time for partisan politics. We all belong to the party of get done. Like we go shopping. Sorry, sorry, Whoa. radio. <laughs> uh, no, get stuff done. Get yeah. stuff done. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I, uh, we all live in our communities. We face our residents all the time and no one is under kind of more direct accountability than the city's mayor. No matter whether the thing that people are angry about is actually the jurisdiction of local government, uh, people see their mayor as kind of the most accessible elected official. And they are. I mean, yeah. They, they they know where you not live, literally. Oh, no, but, they, you know, they do can know where you. I live. <laughs> I've had plenty yeah. of protests at my house. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it also just strikes me like the, the the different skill sets that people bring to politics, right? There's some people really excel at being an executive. Some people, like I think Pelosi, are very good at the sort of legislative um you know, like 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 I said, consensus building, but also understanding, as you said, Scott, when to sort of lead from behind and let other people feel like they got there first, whether they did or not. We don't always know. Well, and, I, and and I think that she's just really shown not just in this situation, but her savvy and experience over the president in many situations in the last few years. Absolutely. And, I, and I've always said about Nancy Pelosi that the things that she does best are the things that people don't really see. You know, it is the consensus building, fundraising, uh, strategizing, getting the votes for yeah, legislation. Yeah, whipping the votes, yeah. and, and, But when she, you know, when she came out in front of the cameras on Tuesday to announce the impeachment inquiry, that's not her strength. Uh, really. Mark Sandler, who her, one of her biographers, was, I was like, you know, it's fair to say she's not the strongest public teacher speaker. And he's like, oh, no, she's terrible at public speaking, <laughs> which is so unusual. I mean, because it is true. Like, and then you have, you know, there's different people who some people are good at speaking to a room of a thousand, like our president. Some people are good at the one on one. You know, and like retail, the, yeah, that retail politics. And I do think is that, that something that comes naturally to you? Mira? Oh, my gosh. Not that I know of. Um, it certainly is something that you have to practice a lot. And when people ask me kind of what surprises you most about being the mayor, um, I don't think anybody is quite prepared for the amount of public speaking that you have to do 
every day, on the fly, not a lot of preparation, and on 12 different topics within, you know, six hours. Right. So you don't have, like, a team of speechwriters following you I, around? <laughs> I do have a great comms um, team, although what we've learned is that I'm a much better speaker when I don't speak from people's notes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to take a break in a little bit, but I, so, you know, I wonder if this week, uh, and just seeing Trump in California, uh, you know, going after cities and homelessness, and all, it, it, if it brings back any memory. For you, I was going to say PTSD, (laughs) uh, but you know when you uh, announced those ice raids that were uh, rumored to be happening in the Bay Area, and you stood up and warned the community about that, um, you know, does it? uh, What was that like for you? Um, You know, that was an incredible experience uh, to have first the Attorney General and then the President of the United States uh, say that he wants to put you in jail. Uh, I still have a legal team that advises me all the time. Um, it's it's a little more scary than hopefully I let people see. But um, it also felt good to see just people that you wouldn't expect come up and tell you how much it meant to them, mm-hmm. that the government was standing up for them and their families, people that don't feel seen ever. And I just want to appreciate um, that I represent a community that shares my values. Did you have any, so we were down in LA the week that all the homeless um, rhetoric about the alleged sweeps that the Trump administration was going to do. And we sat down with Mayor Garcetti down there and he had took a very different tact, right? He decided to sort of try to, I guess, do the Mich- Michelle Obama route, go high and, and like reach out and say, yes, let's work together. I'm just curious, Crickets. like what what you thought about that, and and do you think it's effective, or do you think it's just sort of a stunt on his part? You know, um, I I like Mayor Garcetti very much, um, although I have found that I have a style that is a little different than some other mayors, uh, other politicians. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, I I think it's a time to be very clear about our values. Um, at the same time, I don't want to devolve into the kind of name calling that I think mm-hmm. is happening because that's not when we listen to one another. So I struggle. I want to just tell you, I struggle every day because there are a lot of you just heard one four letter word out of my mouth. Believe me, there are a <laughs> lot more behind there that I would like to say about this president who I believe is ruining my country, um, ruining my democracy, this this thing I love, like I have just dedicated my life to public service. And um, this man is crapping all over that institution. All right. We're going to take a short break. <laughs> leave it at that. We're going to leave it at that. <laughs> you know, crapping on the institution. Well, that's a good way to go into the break. Uh, and come back in just a moment. We're going to continue our conversation with Oakland's Mayor Libby Schaff. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing, 
and I know you love what you're hearing. Please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. And welcome back to Political Breakdown. Scott Schaefer here with Marisa Lagos. And today we're delighted to have with us the leader of California's, I think, eighth largest city. Isn't that right, Mayor Chef? Yep. Very good. So let's go back a little bit. Usually we start with childhood. It's a little bit of a, I don't know, not therapy session, but we want to know where you came (laughs) from. And as it turns out, you came from Oakland. You're an Oakland local. You grew up in the city, went to high school and uh, uh, graduated from an Oakland uh, school, went to college, I think, in Florida. But tell us about your family. You came from a, it sounds like a very working class kind of family. Your dad was a shoe salesman, I think. Yeah, my dad was a traveling shoe salesman. Um, you know, he back when there were mom and pop stores, he drove in his uh, Oldsmobile because it had the biggest trunk so he could fit all his samples. Uh, and then my mom was a stewardess, um, although she uh, didn't work while we were young kids, although later she went on to run the volunteer program at Children's Hospital. Um, and my you mom- You have siblings? I do. I have an older sister, Chris. Hi, Chris. She uh, hopefully she's adopting a dog right now from the <laughs> Oakland <laughs> Animal Shelter. I oh, think that's where her. she is. Um, but you know, my mom was from Naperville, Illinois, and she grew up at a time when that that town was completely monoculture. Uh, everyone was white, of German descent, Lutheran. You know, just no diversity at all. And she loved Oakland. She loved it. And one thing I really remember growing up in our house, aside from the fact that she would just drag me along to like every volunteer activity, cleanup, park beautification, you know, everything Mm -hmm. that now I have to lead. (laughs) um, She helped start something called Festival at the Lake. And it was on the shores of Lake Merritt. And it was a true celebration of just how multicultural Oakland is. African dance troops followed by folklorico, followed by Chinese opera, you know, Indian fry bread next to Flint's barbecue. I mean, it just, um, you know, Ethiopian food. It, It just was such a delight for her. And I certainly caught that bug and just grew up so, as we say in Oakland, hella proud to be from the town. Did you, I mean, did you think that you would come back always? Like, I know you left for college and law school. I mean, was it it pulling you back? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my parents thought it was um, important to go to college in a different part of the country. And boy, uh, did I learn that. that, Yeah. (laughs) You know, Oakland's a little bit of a bubble. Um, I went to a small college in central Florida. Oh, wow. That is different. Yeah. No, I thought that my politics were kind of moderate compared to my friends. I learned that my classmates mates thought I was a communist. So, you know, it just everything is relative. Um, Mm -hmm. You understand how people get elected president, which is a complete mystery to you if you grow up in Oakland. But yeah, I was ready to come back pretty quickly. Before you left, you were really big, I think, as it was your mom as a troop leader in the Girl Scouts. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so appreciative to Girl Scouting. I feel like it really, um, for all girls, gives you a sense of leadership and a deep sense of service and just how satisfying it is to help others. And I was looking, you seemed like you had as a service project, you challenged other Oakland 
Girl Scout troops to raise funds at for the Oakland Zoo to buy an incubator for baby spider monkeys. Wow, you have dug deep. Now, was that because you love the spider monkeys so much, or was that just what they needed at that moment? <laughs> you know, I spent one summer volunteering at the Oakland Zoo. Oh, nice. Um, and, you know, zoo. it was really great. I got to, like, you know, feed uh, the llama, baby llama, its bottle. I got to play with a baby Bengal tiger, and I scooped a lot of poop. A lot of poop. Ocelot poop is the worst. But that's how sure I that's dis- come in handy. <laughs> yeah, no. Now that I'm a politician, one would argue <laughs> that's that. That's what I mean. Yeah, got it, got it. But, I'm bummed. Um, but yeah, that's how I got the idea for the Girl Scout Project. And it was, it was really empowering as a high school student to Get every troop from Oakland to show up to see what you can accomplish when you ask people. So it sounds like your parents weren't political, but they were big into public service. Yes. Um, It also sounds like you had a little bit of a performance bug as a child. You were a cheerleader. And I think uh, I I saw something about you uh, performing guys and dolls in uh, high school and stuff. What was what was your like extracurricular activities like besides Girl Scouts? Oh, yeah. No, I loved being a dancer. And I've got to give a great shout out to Miss Duke. Katz, Elise Ducats, my Skyline High School dance teacher. Um, I have to tell you, when I decided to run for my first political office, um, when I ran for city council, I think like eight members of the cast of Guys and Dolls at Skyline <laughs> High School, 1982, showed up at my campaign kickoff. Like the friends you make in theater and mm. through dance are the ones that you keep forever. And later, when I decided to run for mayor, Miss Ducats showed up, and I'm I'm trying to to be very mayoral and you know give my stump speech. And she raises her hand and she says, "I want everyone to know that Libby has always been a risk taker. When she had to <laughs> choreograph her senior piece for our dance program, she choreographed herself jumping off this high scaffolding." And being caught in the arms of her dancers below. And she's always been someone to take big leaps. Wow. So, yeah. what a, like, vote of confidence <laughs> from your. T- I actually just went to my 20 year reunion and had my uh, history teacher say, I listen to you on the radio. So, nice. I mean, that must be pretty exciting for people like your teachers to it's, see you. It's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, there are also moments where I look out at the uh, audience and I see people that probably, you know, change my diaper. So <laughs> that, that can be kind of humbling as well. <laughs> so you, I think, ran for the city council in 2010 mm-hmm. and then ran for mayor, got elected in 2014. But, and then somewhere in there, you worked for Jerry Brown when he was mayor before that. Um, you were like a top aide. You'd worked for, I think, for Ignacio de la Fuente first, and then you worked for Jerry Brown in City Hall. What was it like working for Jerry Brown? <laughs> I learned a lot from Jerry. Um, some, In some ways, I try and emulate him. In other ways, I'm different. Uh, he was so laser-focused. You know, he had his priorities. He got them done. He was unafraid. Um, he was intellectual. He was funny. Um, he was a great public speaker. Audiences just ate out of his hand. Uh, he was also hard to work for. Man, he did not know what a weekend or an evening was, which I I have to confess, I now am that kind of boss, too. Was that before <laughs> he was married? It was, although I have to say he and Anne were together. Mm. And, um, well, she's kind of a workaholic, too. Oh, wife, she, I think. she yeah. is the funniest person yeah. alive. She has very the driest sense yeah. of humor. And um, their kind of courtship was really kind of cute to watch. Like, they really, really love each other. 
Yeah, it was. It's sweet, and it, especially that it came a little later, especially for him in life. You know, yeah. to see that. Yeah. Just want to say, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer, mm-hmm. along with Marisa Lagos. We're talking with Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff. So you're on the city council, and Gene Kwan gets elected. There's that sort of crazy. A rank choice voting election where everyone sort of thought Don Parada was going to win and Jean Kwan wins. And let's just say she struggled as mayor. Um, and I'm wondering, what did you, as, as a city council member, what did you pick up? What did you learn from her failures, you know, when you became mayor? Um, you know, I have so much respect for Jean Kwan. She is an incredibly hard worker. I'd say on a policy level, we are in complete agreement. Um, and she's very ethical. But to be the mayor is a particular skill set, and it's hard. And your communication skills and your ability to make really hard and unpopular decisions in a hard moment. You have to piss off some of your friends sometimes. Well, and you have to, you have to choose. You have to take an action, particularly in moments of crises. And she, um, I think, had you know more than her fair share of crises, particularly with Occupy Oakland. Although I would say I got my, more than my fair share as well. You yeah. were tested with, I think, it was the Black Lives Matter protests, and there were some you know concerns about violence uh, downtown. You know, how did you? go into that. I mean, there was some warning that that was going to be happening. I got to say, as a white mayor in an Oakland, in, in Oakland, which, you know, has a very long history of black activism, and I think a sense that they've often been left behind by white leaders in California. Um, well, that was my definitely my first test. Uh, but I, I can't tell you how angry I felt to see people trashing my city. And a lot of them weren't even from Oakland, right? Oh, no. Uh, and, and there is a huge <laughs> difference between free speech and vandalism. Oakland is always going to lift up free speech. It is just part of our DNA. It is our value. Um, we're going to respect that. But to um, facilitate vandalism, uh, no way. Not in my city that I love. And uh, I'll be honest, you know, we did a little bit of a, a dance for a while to find that right line between those kind of competing values. But we got there. Um, I was criticized a lot, but stuck to my guns about what my values were. And every crisis I've had, you know, I've navigated through it by always asking, what is in the best long-term interest of this city? It's easy to do something that feels good in the short term, but I am always trying to think about the long term. I was born in this city. I plan to die in this city. I want my kids to be able to thrive and grow up in this city. And I think too often the political system rewards short-term thinking. What about, um, I want, like, I want to ask you about the police department because that's been another real challenge as mayor and, yeah, yeah. and not just for you, Speaking but going crisis. back <laughs> yeah, many years. And, and I think that, um, you know, we, there was that period for folks who don't know where they were. I can't remember exactly how many, but you guys like blew through a couple of police chiefs in a very short period of time. Three chiefs in nine days. Okay. Which was actually better than Quan's record of three in three days, I believe. That's true. Um, (laughs) But, you know, and and a lot of what came up then I know was very personally hard for you because it involved um, an underage woman who uh, had these affairs with police officers and, and you had worked in, you know, as a lawyer in sex trafficking. I mean, 
How are you how do you think about trying to change the culture of a department? And because that to me is sort of the crux of a lot of the conversations we're having around policing and about community trust. You can put in the best police chief in the world, but like what do you do to to try to bring everyone else along? Well, and, you know, that that's the day that I walked into that room and said, I'm here to run a police department, not a frat house. Uh, and to talk about the toxic macho culture of policing. And that's what you were referring to. Yeah. And, and, and it is um, macho culture is not the exclusive purview of men, nor do all men uh, have it. Right. Uh, so just like racism and sexism oh, and, and that, all other things. Yeah. Right? yeah. And if you ever watch the documentary, you know, it's always great to have a crisis that, you know, there's a documentary filmmaker embedded in your police department <laughs> during the worst crisis uh, ever. But if you ever watch the documentary, The Force, um, I appreciate that he actually didn't truncate that that line where I talked about this is something that infects all of society. And certainly as a woman in a male dominated role, I see that all the time. Now, I think Oakland has a good track record of external accountability. And I am so thrilled that our civilian police commission is really finding its legs and and the the chair is really uh, showing some great leadership. And they just passed the most progressive um, parole and probation search policy in the country. Like that work is great. But culture change has got to be owned from within. And that's where I so appreciate our current chief, Chief Ann Kirkpatrick. She came with the credibility, the history, the experience, but also the heart to really be a leader and to um, nurture that type of self-owned culture change. And that's what I see her doing every day. How hard was it, do you think, for a woman and an outsider? I mean, police departments, the rank and file typically don't like outsiders coming in to be chief. Uh, how tough was it uh, for her, do you think? You know, I, I want to um, say that our police department uh, was so uh, horrified by that scandal themselves. And, and I want to appreciate that um, they did not defend it. In fact, it really was um, horrible for the good men and women of the police department. And so I think they were ready for an outsider. They certainly were not surprised when I brought in a woman. But she, I mean, you guys are still under uh, a federal judge receivership. Is that right? I mean, it we're, not, we're not under receivership. We're under a negotiated settlement okay. agreement. Yes. Yeah. So not all the, but we do want to talk. I feel like we have a few minutes left about a couple things. Uh, well, I just wanted to ask some, one other big thing that happened while you were mayor, and, and, and this is not a short topic, but we are getting toward the end. But, you know, one of the worst days of your first term must have been the ghost ship fire. Without question. December of 2016. Mm-hmm. What do you, um, and you were very close to, are very close to the arts community and, you know, artists in many cases struggling to survive in a city like Oakland. Uh, but you want, of course, them to be living in places that are safe and affordable. Like, what's, what was the takeaway for you? And, you know, what was it like for you to have to go through that? With them? Without question, that is the hardest thing that I've had to do as the mayor. Um, You know, I went off to law school to actually work in uh, the arts and entertainment field. My first summer, I volunteered for California Lawyers for the Arts, actually working on um, supporting safe live and work spaces for artists in Oakland. So this is a a long-time passion of mine. Um, But your job as mayor is to hold the pain of a community. And some some of that is going to include anger with government. And certainly I feel angry with 
government on some days myself. And so to recognize that government has not always done its job and that we have to um, stand to account for those who came before us, but also show compassion and also show the path forward. And I refuse to say that we have to have either extreme fire safety or a thriving arts community. Uh, we have to have both, and I am pleased with the work that we've done to demonstrate that Oakland can move forward and has to protect its incredible cultural community. So that do you is feel, what the city yeah. is made of. I mean, do you feel like those warehouses are safer now than they were? Absolutely, and again, we have a phenomenal cult, uh, community here that went out on their own to do a lot of safety making. The government is also changing the way it does business, but um, the community actually reacted first. All right. I feel like we cannot end this without asking you a question about homelessness. It is a huge issue, not just in Oakland, but around the state, but particularly in Oakland. Um, we're getting word that the governor just signed a CEQA exemption for shelters, so it could be easier to build them. But I, I just want to ask, like, how you think that the state and the city should be working together moving forward to really tackle this? Yeah, well, listen, I'm honored that the governor uh, asked me to be on his council of advisors. Um, in fact, I just talked to his office today, and I'll be with um, representatives tomorrow. We have our meeting in Los Angeles of this regional uh, council. And uh, I think it's just so important that we not just talk about shelter, although that's important. We've got to prevent homelessness to begin with. We have got to create and maintain an adequate supply of housing that is affordable and safe and healthy and stable for everyone. And there is a whole lot of work to do to attack that bigger problem. It's so important people see that the explosion of homelessness is not so much around the traditional issues that we think of, like mental health and drug addiction. It is about the unacceptable cost and availability of housing. And then, of course, there's not an easy solution to that, or somebody would have come up with it a while ago. It isn't, but we must solve it, and that is something that I am determined to do in this second term. All right. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much, Mayor Libby Schaff, for coming in. Appreciate it. Great to see you. And that does it for this edition of Political Breakdown. It's a production of KQED Public Radio. Our producer is Guy Marzorati, and our engineer is Seal Muller. KQED's team includes Holly Kernan, Ethan Lindsay, and Vinny Tong. I'm Marisa Lagos. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at mlagos. And I'm Scott Schaefer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Scott Schaefer. That's a wrap for this week's Political Breakdown from KQED. We'll see you next time, everybody. love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area, its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures, then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!
Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.